So let's turn together to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read, then we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in to these things together. Back home, they tell me, I get people to tell me when they're ready, they say, ready. So are you ready? ready. Excellent, that's good. I feel, like, I feel at home. This is what God's word has to say to us uh, this morning. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let me pray and we'll spend time on that. Father, we're so thankful to you for this morning, for what we've been able to sing to you and about you, about how great you are, to gather and to be reminded in those moments of quiet as we took bread and wine of this great sacrifice that was made for us to bring us into, into relationship with you, to restore us into relationship with you. Father, we pray that those things would bear fruit in our lives and in this church and in the lives of those lost people you call us to spend time with, that it would bear fruit and your glory being multiplied and your um, your name increasing in renown in our lives and through our lives. So Father, we pray as we turn to your word now that you would help us to think about what does it mean to dig deep into those things and to make our lives about those things. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Okay, so here's a question. Two couple of questions to start us off. Um, really just to dive right in. The questions are simply these. What kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? And what kind of church do you want to belong to? What kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to belong to? Because here's what we know. 10 years in, I've been a pastor for 15 years, I think 15, 16 years now. Here's what I observe. The sort of church comes about by the sort of people. The sort of church comes about by the sort of people, the sort of follower of Jesus Christ you all want to be, will to a certain extent determine the sort of church that Harvest Bible Chapel Barry is. The sort of church back home, our church have already met and we're a few hours behind. The, the sort of, the kind of follower of Jesus Christ we want to be in Harvest Glasgow will to some significant extent determine the sort of church that Harvest Glasgow is. What kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to belong to? What is it that you long for most of all in your walk with Jesus and for your walk with Jesus that bears fruit in your life through the local church? You know, you, you don't need to spend much time in the Gospels. We, went, we spent some time away as a family during the, um, we had a, a, a kind of October summer, an October vacation time with our kids and we spent some time working through Mark's Gospel just every evening, just opening God's Word together as kind of family devotions. And it didn't, doesn't take long for you to spend time in a, in a gospel like Mark to, to, to see the, the two, two of the sorts of people who followed Jesus. There were those who followed at a distance. You know, they're kind of looking and saying, well, we'll see how this works out. Oh, not so sure yet. They're following at a distance. Or there are those who are basically as close as you can get because they fixed their hearts on him right from the beginning. Say, I need to be with him. So what, what is it going to be for you? Are you going to be following at a distance? Well, we'll see how it works out. Or, is it you, are you, or are you going to fix your hearts on Jesus in a real and clear way? The book of Colossians, the verses we've read say, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you received Christ Jesus as Lord, what are you going to do about it if you have done that? If you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, if you say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, if you say that he is your Savior, what are you going to do about it? It is not designed to lie stagnant and 
impotent in your life. It's designed to produce an impact. If you ha- have you received Christ Jesus as Lord? That's a good first question. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus, this morning's a great time to start. To, to put your trust in the one who died on a cross in your place for your sins, to make you right with God and to restore you to a relationship with him so that you have eternity with him as your, forgiven, your sins are forgiven. It's for some of you, that may be true that you haven't taken that step yet. And the encur- my encouragement, I came all the way from Scotland to tell you. <clears throat> Today's a day when you can do that and find the grace and mercy of God and the forgiveness and peace that he offers. That's the offer all the way from Glasgow. Actually, further, all the way from heaven to you. But for those of us who have already put our trust in his death on the cross for us, for those of us who already call him our our Lord, the question is simply this. Are we we living like he is first and highest and greatest? And is it evident? Does it show up? If you know who Jesus is, and if you know what Jesus has done, that's key information. And if you call him Lord, that has significant implications. And the encouragement of what we find in Colossians chapter 2 is to live the implications that flow from the information. To live the implications that he is Lord, because that flows from the information of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The reality is, when I, the reality is, if we understand, was the old time used to say, if I don't crown him Lord of all, I don't crown him Lord at all. So the implication is clear. When I receive him as Lord, when I, if you're taking this word Lord as you've received him as Lord, when I receive him as Lord, I rescind my claim to being Lord of my own life, master of my own destiny, captain of my fate. As somebody once said. The word received is a really interesting word. It describes to, to join yourself to something. We've got four kids, um, Ben and Hannah and Katie and Matthew. And Ben has always been the kind of scrapper. Hands up if you've got a scrapper at home. We used to call him Scrappy Dude. You know, you had that cartoon in Canada, right? Scrappy Dude, Scooby Doo is little, no? Yeah, okay, okay, that's fine. I thought I'd lost something cultural straight away. It was, it was, it was off to a rocky start. And, he would, and what Ben would do would be, he would fasten, he loved to wrestle and he would just fasten yourself to his leg and you're kind of pulling him along and say, get off, get off. And you're trying to make progress around about the house and he would just be clinging onto your leg and holding on and trying to take you down and refusing to let go because he just loved that kind of closeness and loved being that kind of sense of being fastened to you. And that's, that in some ways, that's, a, I think, a helpful picture of what would it be like if we took that approach to our walk with Jesus, where we were so eager and urgent about wanting to be close to him that we would just grab hold and say, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to fasten myself to you. That even if Jesus wanted to shake us off, and he never does, that we'd make it as hard as possible for him. The blessing, of course, is that he never wants to shake us off. He only wants to work in us. What Paul is saying to the church in Colossae is this, this, that these things, the information about who Jesus is and what he has done and the implications about calling him Lord, those are are things that are to be grasped and grabbed hold of. 
So the encouragement for all of us as we consider these questions of what kind of follower of Jesus do we want to be and what kind of church do we want to belong to, the encouragement is simply this. Stop pushing him away. This word, when we say as we receive Christ Jesus as Lord, the encouragement here is to stop pushing him away. Stop holding him, holding him at arm's length. The encouragement is simply this. Fasten yourself. Fasten yourself to the one who dealt with your fallenness. Fix yourself on the only one who can fix you. If you've received Jesus, if he is your Lord, then there are some things for you to be chasing down and passionately pursuing. What is this lordship leading to in your life? What decisions is it informing? What changes is it fueling? Because the fundamental, the fundamental implication when you call him Lord is this. You have received, you, if, you've call, if you call him Lord, you have officially resigned, retired, rescinded your role as chief executive officer of your life. So here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. I'm just going to come down here for a little moment. What I'd like to encourage you to do is when you go home this afternoon, I'd like to encourage you to do something. I'm going to take a little seat here, okay? So I want to encourage you to sit down at a table when you go home this afternoon. I want you to find a table and I want you to sit down with maybe your, your family, and I want you to imagine you're putting everything, about, every, everything from your life on the table. Everything is laid out there. And to ask yourself the question, how can I make much of Jesus with all of this? All of our resources, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our talent, all of the God-given gifts that he's given us, all of our relationships, all that we are and all that we have laid out there and, say to, and, and asking Jesus together as a family, how can I make much of you with this? Or maybe, maybe that's something for you to sit and do by yourself because you recognize you, you once put some stuff on the table for, that belonged to the Lord and you said, this belongs to you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this. I'm pledging, this, pledging my allegiance and loyalty. I'm pledging all of this to you. But then you started to take some bits and pieces back. We don't do that, don't we? We say, yes, I, I, yes, your Lord, Jesus, yes, your Lord. We put all the things on the table and then, oh no, but I'm not so comfortable. I want to have that back and have control of that. Supposing you were to go home this afternoon and play everything out and say, Lord, all of this belongs to you because that's the, re- the reality is simply this. All of the, the God has given you are designed to help you make much of his son. How can I make this count for Jesus? That should be the question we're asking about every single thing we have in our life, every choice, every decision, every stage, every activity. How can I make this count for Jesus? I wonder, would you do that? Would you resolve to do that at some point on this, the Lord's day, to sit down and have that conversation, even if it's just with yourself, to say, what would it look like for me to do that? What do I need to put back in the table? What do I need to re-pledge to him? That's the fundamental implication of having Jesus Christ as Lord, is that everything is on the table. What are you going to do about it? That was the thought that pushed me into pastoral ministry. I've got it in my notes. It was 17 years ago, not 15 years ago. 17 years ago. More it provoked within me a question not dissimilar 11 years ago. What kind of church do I want to be part of? We asked that question off the back of, I'd been a Baptist pastor before. The church leadership there had made the decision to move away from having God's word, the preaching of God's word as being central to uh, the ministry of the church and had decided to be more creative. Whatever that meant, I'm not entirely sure they knew. 
and really was probably one of the most disappointing seasons of ministry I'd ever been, been through. And it really raised the question, what kind of church do I want to be part of? And more as a husband and a father, what kind of church do I want my wife and kids to be part of? And what, what do they want to see, how do they want to see me growing through being part of a church? Because really we're not called to just settle. Passionately pursuing Jesus. Reaching as many people as possible for Jesus. Not settling. Lord, protect us from settling when you call us to be setting. Setting our hearts on you. Setting our life in your word. Setting our minds on things above. Setting our lives in holiness. If he is Lord, if he is Lord and he is Lord, why would we not live it? But also, not just what do, part do we want to, what kind of church do you want to belong to? And so that's not just attending, right? We understand that belonging is more than just pitching up on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning or to the occasional activities that run. What kind of church do I want to belong to? And really what we wanted to do when we planted Harvest Glasgow was to gather people who were hungry for doing more for Jesus and, and, and laying it all out there for him. So I, wanted, I brought some family, church family photos with you as well just to kind of give you a little bit of an update. So we, we long for a building like this. It's our, it's our new digs, okay? It's a little bit draftier than here, I'll tell you. <clears throat> we long for a, church, a building like this to be filled with people like this. Who are living Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 lives like this transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ to new life being washed clean from their sin by the grace that he alone offers. Is this our baptismal tank? Well, we've got, we actually have got a new one. This is our old baptismal tank. But this is kind of fun because we get to do it outside. The, the fun, fun story about this is in our previous building, we used this, ta- this pool for baptizing people. And across the road, a neighbor from across the road tagged us on Facebook and said, I'm not sure if I should call the police. The church across the road from me are drowning adults in a children's paddling pool. <laughs> I love they saw it though I love that they noticed that's an amazing thing we want to be a church that is evidently and visibly declaring the saving mercies of Jesus Christ that's the kind of church we want to be we want to be a church that is next thing walking in him therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him There's direction and instruction here. There's a sense of Jesus being our chief companion and life captain, him being Lord. And the encouragement here is to, to make progress. And often we will look at that and say, well, you know, something that feels as if I'm not making very fast progress. I think it says walk for a reason, not run. And sometimes we grow impatient. And we miss that one of the things that God grows us through is waiting patiently. And sometimes we, we, we have death by comparison. We look at the people sat around about us and we are discouraged by them because we think they're traveling so much faster and further than I am. But God is working in you in a dis- way that is distinct to you. What he calls us to is to make progress in him. And if we do see the example of somebody who is pursuing the Lord more passionately than I, uh, than I am, then it's to encourage me to lean in closer, not to feel like a loser. 
That's the, the encouragement here is to, to walk and to be making progress as the Lord allows it. Step by step, moment by moment, day by day. The, the challenge of comparison is that we don't see their sin like we see our sin. We don't see the things that they struggle with like we see the things that we struggle with. But God is, doing a, is designing to do a distinct and unique work in your heart and in your life as you walk in him. So the idea of intentionally walking includes a refusal to stand still. It places a priority in making progress. It makes moving forward its main focus. And if we're, so if we're living a life in worship of him as Lord and walking in him, that's longing to be like him in our character, living for him with every part of our lives, being close to him in worship as we pursue those things. As we, as we seek to walk in him as he leads in, it's designed to provoke a deeper longing in our hearts. Ten years into this deal in Glasgow, uh, we had a lot of opportunity to look back and share some memories. And one of them was this photograph of our launch team that's hopefully going to come up in a little moment. No, well, you're missing the opportunity to see a wonderful photograph of us with Alice and myself looking at totally opposite directions from everybody else and marveling at the fact that we were able to launch a church when we couldn't even look at a camera. Um, <coughs> ten years on gets you thinking, what kind of church do we want to be and what kind of churches do we want to see? You know, a lot of the conversation we had around about Lee and what we want to do in terms of planting more churches. Really, we have always wanted to be a church that would plant more churches, as we said. But earlier this year, we shared, the elders of, the, uh, of Harvest Glasgow shared with our church family a vision to be a sending and training church in a renewed way, with a renewed desire to see that happening, and with the vision of investing and in planting one church in Western Europe every five years by sending it or, support, sending it or supporting it. One church plant in Western Europe every five years, that's our vision. Where? We don't know. That's for the Lord to decide. How? We don't know because we really need the Lord to work, because we're really as beyond us, and we want to be investing in something that can only be explained by the fact that God is doing it. But really what we want to see happen is we want to see churches planted that are Colossians 2, 6, and 7 churches. We want to plant churches that are gripped more deeply by the work of the Son of God, growing more real under the Word of God, and grateful for the grace of God. That's really what we want to see happening. The church we want to be in, the church we long to see, is first of all gripped with deep roots, Look what it says in verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's, so we want churches that are rooted, with, that have deep roots. Rooted in him, so walking in him, but also rooted in him. Taking all of our life and all of our nourish, spiritual nourishment from him. That's such a great picture, isn't it? This picture of being rooted, it reminds us we, we desperately need to dig down deep into Jesus. We desperately need for our life and for our nourishment and the extent of our fruit and growth to come from Jesus. And that will be determined in part by how deep our roots grow into him, how willing we are to invest in getting depth in our Christian walk. A tree will only grow strong and tall if its roots grow deep. The word rooted is interesting because the way that it was used here describes something that is a past event with a present and persistent effect. 
is describing what is being described here as a true lordship, the true lordship of Jesus Christ that is designed to change your life. So maybe the way to think of it, think of it is as a seed. The seed is planted, but it isn't content to be a seed. It searches for nutrients and grows roots. Would that, that would be all of us. Not content to just to remain as a seed, but to search for nutrients and to grow roots that dig deep and take hold and bring life. It's a great picture largely because it describes a God-given desire to be strengthened and established, to have ourselves fixed on something. To have ourselves fixed on something eternal and of the Lord. The idea is that our lives would show evidence of being totally grounded in the grace of God. See, the goal of God's grace in your life is to cause you to long to dig deeper into Jesus. So look at your life right now. What is it that you are giving most evidence of digging deeper into? If you look at your life just now, what is it you're giving most evidence of digging deeper into? If someone, if someone was to conduct an audit of your heart, where would they see that your chief attention, attention and affections are fixed? If someone was to conduct an evaluation of your life, what would they say is your primary affection and goal? Is your life rooted in your career? Is your life rooted in your family? Is your life rooted in what people think or say about you? Is your life rooted in your health or in your circumstance? The thing, the bottom line is this, the thing you are dug deepest in is the thing you are most defined by in any present moment. So is it your career? Is it your family? Is it what people say or think about you? Is, your, is it your health or your circumstances? Or is it your relationship with Jesus Christ? What is it you're dug deepest into? Because it is the thing you're most defined by. These things matter in case we hadn't realized. These things matter. When we're rooted in the wrong things, it throws into the confusion the kind of follower we want to be and the kind of churches we long to see. David Wells, the Christian writer, said this, we now, speaking of today's, the church today and the Christianity today, we now have less biblical fidelity, less interest in the truth, less, serious, less, less seriousness, less depth and less capacity to speak the word of God to our own generation in a way that offers an, an alternative to what it already thinks. Jesus Christ is calling us to the kind of biblical fidelity, an interest in truth, a seriousness about the things of the Lord, a depth and a capacity to speak the word of God to this generation that we exist in in a way that offers an alternative to what it already thinks, the messages we are constantly being bombarded by in the other direction. And it needs a church to be about that, so it needs, us, it needs us as followers of Jesus Christ to be about that. So the instruction in Colossians 2 is clear, the most fruitful thing we can be dug deep into is things to do with Jesus because they are the most forever things about us. So are you rooted in him? Are you investing yourself in rooting your life in Jesus Christ? Free from the fragile securities and the phony soils we're so often defined by. Roots give stability and nourishment in life. So being rooted in Jesus means finding strength in him, satisfaction in him, and sufficiency in him. It also means that Satan is going to struggle to move us or shift us from the life that God has called us to if our roots are dug deep into Christ. So the encouragement here is to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Thank you for helping me. 
digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into him. Don't just take my word for it. Look at what God's word says. Psalm 145, verses two and three. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. The encouragement here is to dig deep in worship and it's almost like he's saying, here's another thing and another thing and another thing. It may sound like when we have somebody complaining at us, but how powerful when we understand that that is what it sounds like and another thing and another thing and another thing is what it sounds like when we're being compelled by God. Or how about Isaiah 40? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not been paying attention? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The encouragement here is to dig deep into trust. He won't fail. He won't falter. He won't give up on you. He won't let you go. Or about Ephesians, Ephesians 3 verse 8. To, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So digger, digging deeper in worship, digging deeper in trust, digging deeper in devotion, is that they, those are the things we are called to. I just want to keep knowing more of him. And, and you'll notice a common denominator in those verses we've just shared is the word unsearchable. And, and it's maybe to help you understand that when these verses tell us that the Lord is unsearchable, it doesn't mean you don't need to try. It means you never need to stop. Or how about Ephesians, Job 5 verses 8 and 9? It's not maybe the most typical fridge magnet verse you might find. Mainly because Eliphaz and his friends didn't do a great job. And there's a, even it starts with a little bit of boastfulness from Eliphaz. As for me, okay, let's forget about you just now. But how about this for a stated aim of our lives? I would seek God and to God would I commit my cause who does great, and unsearch, great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. I would seek God. This is what, this is what it sounds like. This is what a dig, deep digging, right-rooted, Christ-strengthened and satisfied life sounds like. I would seek God and to God would I commit my cause who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. That's what we're giving our lives to when we're giving our lives to Jesus Christ. But it's not just about being gripped by who he is. It's also, being, it's also growing and being surrendered to what he might do in us and through us. So it's not just about having been gripped with deep roots, it's also growing with real shoots. It's not just that we're rooted, it's also rooted in him, we're also built up in him. This is meant to be a present tense reality, we're to keep building. I don't know if you've got Lego in your house. And a kind of love-hate relationship with Lego, mainly in the hate side of that equation. Okay, it's like you, we are, our house is surrounded by kind of half-built Lego projects, which are slowly falling apart and causing me to stand upon them to great personal pain. <laughs> As they say, Lego is the only thing that's more painful than childbirth. Right? That's that's the reality. I realise that's a really dangerous joke to say in a mixed room. So let's move on. I feel like taking my kids. We just stop and finish a project. Keep building, keep building until you're done. Keep building, keep building until you're until you finished. That's really like, like the encouragement of what we find here. Don't stop. Keep building, keep building, keep being, keep being built up in Him. Again, we might ask questions around the table, like, "What is my life built upon, or what am I building my life with, or 
What am I building for? Jesus told the story about the wise and foolish builder. You may be familiar with that. He told, he told the story about the wise and foolish builder. The, 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 the foolish builder is the guy who built a fancy house with a nice car and the ocean view without thinking about the foundations he was building on. And, as, and because he built in sand, it led to ruin. Far too often, that's what we're doing. And when we're starting to take things back off the table or we're being defined by things other than Jesus and his lordship of our lives, when we're rooting our lives in things other than him and our, our walk with him, then that's us starting again to build on sand. But the, guy who, the, the, the other guy, the wise builder, is the guy who paid close attention to where his life was being built and was less consumed by the material aspect of life and more in the eternal aspect of life. And because he did that, and, because, and when we do that, we find a rock that will hold up every, our life and everything that it holds and everything that is thrown at us. And so Jesus told that parable of the wise and the foolish builder to encourage us to build our, our, our lives upon him and his word. And Jesus told the parable to help us see that a life built upon him and his word can never, ever be broken. And one of the chief problems that we see as we look around the church in Scotland, and I'm, not, I'm sure it's in many ways similar in Canada, is that our churches to talk about being Bible-based churches. But, but really what we see in Scripture is not about being Bible-based, but being Bible-built. Being Bible-based is like the afternoon matinee on the Hallmark Channel. You know, it says, based on a true story. Which means what? It means it's not a true story. It's kind of based on that. It's loosely atta- attached to that. It's maybe got some grounds in some kind of reality. But careful attention hasn't been paid to make sure all the facts and everything's lined up right. If you're satisfied with only being Bible-based, then the temptation before you is to build on top of that with your own agenda and desires and demands and the things you really want to define you that aren't Jesus. The call here is to be Bible-built. And, and, and if anything, our nation of Scotland is a warning story of what it looks like when you abandon building with the Bible. We've gone from being the land of the book to one that refuses to give God a second look. The country that's secularized faster than any country in the Western world. And if that can happen to a nation, it can happen to a church. And if it can happen to a church, it can happen in our lives if we don't pay close attention and seek diligently to be built by the right things. Note that we are to be built up in Jesus. If we have received him as Lord, we rely upon him for life. That's what we're saying. We are built up in him by growing in belief and belonging to and behaving like Jesus. That's what the call of a disciple of Jesus Christ is. That's what we're investing in. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be investing in. Investing in discipling people so they believe and belong to and behave like Jesus. So the kind of follower we want to be and the kind of church we want to see ought to be the sort that grow people in Jesus and help them to stand firm in Jesus. And so in Scotland, we're longing to see real shoots that lead to a gospel reboot in our land. And that's what we're inviting people who come along to Harvest Glasgow to give their lives to. That's a project we're inviting folks like Lee and Zoe to be part of as they train and send them to plant churches or to take on ministry roles. That's what we're longing for. And we should know it's all in him, the walk, the building, the standing firm. None of that works unless we grasp that Jesus is utterly worthy, which, utterly worthy, which makes him utter, totally worth it. 
It's built up and standing firm because your confidence in Jesus is leading you to, a, to growing in consistency and you're living for Jesus. That's what it means to be built up in him. And the sense here is of something unwavering. It's not a fragile building. That Jesus doesn't build, fra- he builds from fragile things. He doesn't build fragile things. Sense here is of something unwavering. Your trust in Jesus leading you to being less turned this way and that by life as you take your eyes off of Jesus. We've been watching a lot about the Rugby World Cup and one of the Scottish international rugby players during the, during the recent typhoon there, which sadly ended Canada's World Cup early, I know, so sorry if that's still a bit raw for you all. One of the Scotland international players uh, took a, a, a video of standing at the top of a massive hotel in, in Tokyo and you could hear the hotel creaking on the six, he was on the 62nd floor, you could hear the whole thing swaying back and forth, You'd, the whole hotel was creaking in the wind. But it stood up under that. He wants to, Jesus wants to build unwavering things in your life. No longer turn this way and that by life as you take your eyes off of Jesus and refusing to take stuff back off the table because you entirely entrust them to Jesus. Things you've been taught are to be keeping on transforming your life. We're free to be abandoned to the gospel when we are abounding in thanksgiving. Are you thankful for the Lord? Are you thankful for Jesus? Are you thankful as we gathered and took bread and wine? Are you thankful for what he's done? Are you thankful? Are you grateful? Because that's the last thing. Growing, gripped, and grateful. We've got so much to be thankful for. The first agenda item on, so we pray. Our, our, uh, we call them builders meetings as well because um, your influence is told on us. First agenda, we pray, and then the first agenda item always at our builders' meetings is what are people thankful for? And we just get people to go around and share things that they're thankful for. Why? Because thankfulness is what fills the tanks of faithfulness. Gratitude for grace is the ground upon which we battle things that grieve God. So the call to make process, progress and dig deeper and grow stronger and stand firmer is fueled by a thankfulness to Jesus for all that he has done for you. Thanklessness, on the other hand, is forgetfulness. It's a lack of gratitude that springs from having lost sight of grace. And the encouragement here is to be abounding in thanksgiving, not just, not just moderately thankful, but totally thankful. So very thankful for all that he's done in your life. So very thankful for how he's at work. So very thankful for the different ways that he is, um, he is, he is transforming and changing you, how you see evidence of that grace in your life. And we're so abounding in thanksgiving. We, and it's like we're, we're, we're so worked up and excited. And would you like a drink? <laughs> we, we're to be so worked up about these things, so excited about these things that when we, we open our life, somebody gets hit. That's what it's to be about. That's what it means to be abounding in thanksgiving. It's like, I'm so thankful. Everybody's going to get sprayed by the thankfulness that I have in my life for Jesus. Picture is of being so stirred up by something, to be so moved and shaken by it that you can no longer contain it. And that's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, as we live under the lordship gladly of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to Jesus, what is the, that is the kind of church we want to be and the kind of church is what we want to see. And I know that's true for you as well. So let's be about those things. Let's be pursuing those things in Glasgow and Barry and beyond. Churches that overflow with thanks, 
thankfulness. Thankfulness is healthy fruit because it looks to something other than yourselves as the cause and the reason and the catalyst for, for whatever glorious thing is afoot. So are you grateful? When you think about all that Jesus has done for you, when you consider that he died on a cross for you, when you look at your sin and understand that he paid the price for it, when you see that it's all a result of his grace, when you have that clear in your heart, is there anything, anything you would sit down as you lay at the table in front of you? Is there anything that you would hold from him in your life? When you sit down at your table and lay it all out, everything on the table and ask, how can I make this count for Jesus? Is there anything you would hold back from him? What kind of follower of Jesus Christ do you want to be? And what kind of church do you want to see? The sort of church comes about by the sort of people. And it starts with someone like you and someone like me being gripped and growing and grateful for Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we long to once again come before you and acknowledge our worship of you, that you are Lord, that you are greatest, and that you are highest, and you are first. And we want to confess that often that's not been true in our lives, that there are other things we seek to be defined by, there are other things we devote our lives to, there are other things we, 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 seek, to con- we, we seek to be controlled by, that we have unfaithful to you by taking things back off of the table that belong to you because we belong to you. And just now we want to say that you are utterly worthy and totally worth it. And so we want, to, we want everything in our lives and everything about us, everything we have and everything we are and everything we do and everything we say to make much of Jesus. Would you help us, we pray? We desperately need you. Grip as we pray with your grace. Grow us in your love. Stir our hearts with an abounding thankfulness that spills out into every conversation and every action and every decision and every relationship we have. Lord, we love you. May our lives declare that. May our lives exist as a monument of your grace and mercy to us. Help us to be followers of Jesus who hold you as Lord and hold nothing back. Help us to be churches here in Barry and in Glasgow who declare the fame of your name with great passion because of how you've transformed and changed us. Amen.